You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. We are off and running, people, this Friday, September 4th. Hey there. Welcome in to the Gordon Damer Show. This is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. We did it again, people. We did it again, friends. Made it to Friday. Congratulations to you. And after Thursday, Friday is exactly what we need. After what we had to watch yesterday, a Friday is exactly what we need. Ooh, fa. But lots to do on this uh, Friday edition. The number you know, of course, 1 800 919 ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. We cranked out another daily poll question. We got it up and, well, not yet, but it will be up and running momentarily. Wouldn't be a daily poll question if we didn't do it every day. And sometimes I curse the idea of the daily poll question. But today, this one's pretty self-explanatory, so we'll get into that. Moment of inspiration, 530-ish. Lord knows we could use some inspiration. Not easy to find today. But actually, before I forget, and with my brain, it's only a matter of time before I forget. So let me get it out of the way right away. Today, big day in the Damer household. Today, the 15th wedding anniversary. Whoa! And I remembered that when I woke up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Yes! I remembered it right away. I didn't have to be reminded. Didn't need to, uh, you know, get hinted at. No, 15 years. And this is the most important part. In a row. I have done this. No breakups. No divorces. Impressive. That I have found someone who can put up my just sheer presence for 15 years consecutively. Wow. I mean... Largely can. I think there's some days where, you know, she looks at you and you think, all right. But we've done that 15 years in a row. And then like another four plus dating. So almost 20 years. And as I tell my wife every year, wedding anniversary is a celebration of love, partnership, trust, and you'd have to say tolerance. And that order varies from year to year. So uh, I know she's not going to hear this because it's taking place on my show and she never listens. But a very happy wedding anniversary to my wife. I mean, the chances of her hearing this, uh, talk about astronomical. NASA would need to calculate the odds. It's very, very high, people. Very, very high. But on with the show, and lots to discuss today, because we have a Nets, a new Nets head coach. We're playing all the hits right off the bat. Uh, it, as if that was not as high profile enough, we also have Islanders talk. I follow up the Nets. See what I do there? Nets and Islanders playing all the hits. Uh, Mets beat the Yankees yesterday, the Yankees who continually beat themselves. We got NBA playoffs. But you know what? Let's actually start with the Nets because the Nets pulled the big move yesterday, hiring Steve Nash. Surprise, bombshell, some of the words used to describe it. Woj bomb, Adrian Wojnarowski with the news that the Nets, that's the way they were going. They were hiring Steve Nash, four-year contract for him. So now KD and Kyrie going to be st- uh, paired up with Steve Nash. So uh, I know that the, the words that have been used have been shocking. And it, I guess it is. It's an out-of-the-box hire. I don't know necessarily that is as shocking as everybody wa- uh, wants to make it seem. Only because, not that I had any idea, but uh, that uh, there was never really a front-runner. You know, usually when you say it's a shocking hire, it's not just an out-of-the-box hire, but it's because you you just kind of assumed that there was somebody else or multiple people 
that have been kind of talked about. There really hasn't been anybody. I know the, the Greg Popovich stuff was out there a little bit, but it never really seemed like that. That always seemed like more of a pipe dream, a pop dream, if you will, uh, than anything close to reality. But Adrian Wojnarowski is the guy who broke the news, a woge bomb from way downtown. And then he joined the Michael K show yesterday. And Woj said that uh, Durant and Kyrie, well, this is uh, the guy they wanted. They wanted a strong communicator. Sean Marks, he said, I asked them, what was it that KD and Kyrie wanted? Told them that they wanted in a head coach. And he said, they both told them a communicator. And, and in that sense, being able to build relationships away from the floor with those guys is really important. And that's going to be a big part of the buy-in that he's going to need to get uh, to coach this team. Okay. Uh, also, Woj, uh, Nash, how he set himself apart. Talked to Sean Marks today, the Nets GM, on uh, my podcast. And you know, he talked about Nash's ability. And he said it's as good as anybody he's ever been around. And this is a guy who played with Tim Duncan and who uh, played in Miami and has been around some great players, great organizations. And Nash's ability, and others will testify to this, his ability to bring people together, to have great empathy, to get to build, be able to build relationships and elevate those around him. You know, it's Sean Marks called him a great team builder, and Sean Marks has known him for 20 years. They played internationally against each other, then they were teammates a couple years with the Suns, and I think his belief that not only can he command the respect of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, but the rest of a roster that, that you have to connect with and you have to build out relationships with, and that's a really important part. Okay, there is uh, Adrian Mosnarowski, and one more from him about how uh, Steve Nash got the Nets job. There was a lot of surprise, and there had been, uh, I think, any number of teams through the years since Steve Nash retired, both front office and coaching, you know, who had inquired with him about his interest, and he had passed every time. He wasn't ready to fully commit to the grind, of whether it was front office, and, and he told our Mark Spears today, coaching, he had had that coaching itch uh, always, and, and he kind of took half a step in with Golden State, and I talked to Bob Myers, their president there today, about, you know, the time Nash spent there, and, and maybe what he learned from, you know, Kerr came in the same way, had not coached, and was there to sort of watch Steve Kerr navigate that, watch him navigate his relationship with Kevin Durant. He built his own relationship with Durant. He knew Durant well before they got there, but they, I think, took the relationship to another level there and so i think those things are all helpful for nash as he comes to brooklyn okay so there's woge from the the michael k show yesterday talking about steve nash and how he got the job uh and uh you know the the fact that it's an out-of-the-box hire and again as he said you know it's shocking but is it really because he's you know nash is a guy that people within the nba have been looking at as a coach at some point and i think the most impressive part for the Nets is that they were able to keep the, the keep all this stuff under wraps. Good job by them. It has to be a sign of a, of a strong front office. I mean, not even Kevin Durant's burner accounts made a peep about this, so that's why it seems as shocking as it is. But again, there was never really, it didn't really ever seem like there was some real front runner from Mark Jackson or Ty Lue or Jacques Vaughn. To me, this is obviously all about who Kevin Durant and Kyrie wanted. I mean, I don't think we have to make it any deeper than that. That's it. When you make the moves that the Nets organization did a summer ago to bring in stars like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you kind of have to turn your organization over to them. They have that kind of power. And it would be a mistake for the front office not to be consulting, not to be taking the advice 
of those two guys. It has to be about who those two guys feel comfortable working with. And it seems pretty clear that those two guys, if they weren't, I mean, it would be, it would baffle the mind that those two guys didn't handpick who they wanted. So Sean Marks can be out there answering all these different questions. At the end of the day, it's what like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving want. It's almost like when, uh, when dinner comes. How did we arrive on this for dinner? Well, this is what my wife wanted to cook for dinner, so that's what we're eating for dinner. You know, I mean, that's the people in control make the decisions, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they're in control of that organization. And that's not, it sounds like a knock that I'm, I'm no. Though, any organization that was in the position the Nets were in, the Knicks would have taken that same deal. This is not to be taking shots at the Nets. Oh, you turned your organization. No, a lot of organizations... Just about every organization would be willing to turn over the power of that organization over to two stars like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, the fact he has no head coaching experience, uh, and really I don't think coaching experience of any kind. We've seen plenty of guys walk in and have success, guys walk in and not have success. So really what Steve uh, Nash's success is going to depend on is not really so much even Steve Nash. It's going to depend on whether or not Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are healthy, if Karis LeVert can stay healthy. Steve, if that happens, if those three guys stay relatively healthy, Steve Nash is going to do just fine. If they're not, if they're going to be continually banged up, I think he's screwed. His success and his failure will depend almost exclusively. It's not going to be about drawing up plays late in the fourth quarter in an overtime. It's going to be about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert going out and doing what they did. Uh, so the reaction after the shock wore off has been overwhelmingly positive, right? People have talked about Steve Nash's time in the NBA, you know, the fact that he, he went and, and worked with uh, Golden State and built up a relationship with Kevin Durant there. All well and good. So we don't know how he's going to do because we've never seen him coach before. But... In the NBA, when you have stars, assuming they're healthy, like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, chances are you're going to be pretty good. Chances are you're going to be pretty good. But the only real uh, piece of, um, I guess, criticism, I don't even know if it's necessarily criticism, it's not criticism of Steve Nash, but criticism of the move actually came from Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. on his uh, show First Take said that Steve Nash getting this job is an example of white privilege. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no way around this. This is white privilege. This does not happen for a black man. No experience whatsoever on any level as a coach. And you get the Brooklyn Nets job. I'm thinking about a champion that is Ty Lue passed up. I'm thinking about a guy who built the foundation for the Golden State Warriors in Mark Jackson passed up. I'm thinking about the years that Sam Cassell has served as an assistant. Passed up. And it's for a guy. My God, one of the best guys you could possibly meet in your life. But a guy that has no experience whatsoever. Okay, so there's Stephen A. from First Take. And um, with all due respect, uh, I think that has to be one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard. Uh, To say that a black man never gets the opportunity that Steve Nash just got... I don't have the wealth of NBA knowledge that Stephen A. has, but Jason Kidd basically was the exact same guy. He was hired by the, the exact same team with no experience, just walked off the court as a player and came in and immediately was a head coach. Now, he didn't have the greatest of success, but 
there's been more than enough examples just off the top of my tiny little brain that I can come up with. Derek Fisher, that would be that. Now that's one you don't want to follow down that road. I mean, has there ever been a bigger discrepancy between choice A and choice B than Steve Kerr and Derek Fisher? I don't think so. But Doc Rivers with Orlando, Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, he never had any coaching experience before that. I'm pretty sure Isaiah Thomas didn't have any coaching experience before that. This is not a case, I don't think, of white privilege as much as it is star privilege. You know, I feel bad for the Sam Cassells or guys who played in the league or guys who are assistant coaches working their way up, hoping to finally get an opportunity to be a head coach. But I think this is what happens when you're a star player. Nash was a star player, two-time MVP. So it's star privilege for him. And mostly, again, it's star privilege for the stars of the Nets, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Those are the guys who wanted Steve Nash. So even if Steve Nash had not been as great a player as he had been, even if he was just, you know, kind of uh, a guy who kind of bounced around the league, but that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving felt confident that they would be able to have the relationship and have the ins and outs with that guy, that he was going to provide them whatever they feel like they need, which is largely to get out of the way. Um, I think that, that that's the way that it was going to go. They're running the show. So if you have any complaints, I would say don't go to Sean Marks. Don't go to Steve Nash. I would say go to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That would be the guy to complain. Those two guys would be the guys to complain to. Now, as for Mark Jackson, I mean, his name comes up regularly. Uh, and it gets, he gets passed up regularly. And it's gone beyond the point of reason, I think, at this point. Uh, I know people will bring up, you know, ended really badly in Golden State. Well, it ends badly everywhere. Otherwise, it wouldn't end, right? Like, if everything was going along swimmingly in Golden State, or any head coach who gets fired, and any coach that gets another opportunity, yeah, the last opportunity, it went poorly, he got fired, he got another job. So I, I don't know the reason why that uh, Mark Jackson has not gotten another opportunity. I think his reputation from his time in Golden State has hurt him. Uh, the reputation that basically everyone in the organization couldn't work with him. But again, there ha- if it didn't end badly, it wouldn't end. I do think the fact that Golden State had such extraordinary success after he left has also hurt him. But, I mean, there has to be other factors. I, I wonder, and I don't have anything to uh, to back this up. It's just kind of a thought in my own head. I wonder if, you know, maybe his religious beliefs uh, being as strongly and out front as, as they are, maybe that might play a factor in individual opportunities. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, Mark Jackson, uh, I don't, I'm not saying that he's perfect for every job, but given the resume that he put up in the time in Golden State, again, when he left, they went from one level to another. So, okay, fine. And again, he wasn't, uh, he didn't have the best reputation working with others in the organization, but, you know, people learn from past experience. At least you hope. So I don't know whether or not it would seem at this point with all the different times that Mark Jackson's name has been brought up and he's not gotten another opportunity. I don't know if he ever will. I think he deserves one clearly from what he did in uh, in, in Golden State. But it's, it's one of those things that doesn't make uh, a whole lot of sense. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Coming up, we'll talk about the Yankees and Mets. Do we have to talk about the Yankees and Mets? Like, we, I talk about the Yankees every day. Can't there be one day... Or just leave it out. Because if I had to pick, yesterday my 
after all, didn't seem like the Yankees were all that interested in the game, so why do I have to be interested? Just because they throw that slop out there doesn't mean that I have to talk about it, does it? All right, I guess it does. Uh, also, the Islanders. Now, you'll, you'll notice I didn't say my Islanders, and that's because they're only my Islanders when they're winning. That's my rule. I'm tough, but I'm fair. And you know the rules going in, and last night they, uh, they lost. They lost again in overtime to the Flyers, so we have to touch on that. But we also have to touch on the poll question, which is uh, going up on Twitter, the old uh, Twitter contraption. It is up right now. Just hit the send button on that tweet. Which team made the better hire? Is it the Nets with Steve Nash, or is it the Knicks with Tom Thibodeau? Ooh, little Knicks and Nets playing all the hits. That's what I do, people. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at uh, Gordon Damer. Talking to somebody yesterday, he said, "Oh, what are you doing for your anniversary?" Uh, same thing we're doing every weekend. We're we're looking at each other. We're staring at each other. We'll try and find something to watch over the weekend, and, and that'll include a uh, game seven for the Islanders. But before we get to them, uh, by the way, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It's ninety eight point seven FM, ESPN, New York, one eight hundred nine one nine. ESPN is the phone number. Poll question up on Twitter at Gordon Damer about uh, who made the better coaching hire: the Knicks with Tom Thibodeau or the Nets with Steve Nash. Well, look, I, I don't see how you could how you can say Steve Nash when you have no idea. I mean, he's never coached a game. Now, I don't think it'll largely depend on his his coaching acumen because he's got the better players. But I'm not asking you who's the better team or who's going to win more games or, or anything along those lines. I'm asking you who made a better hire. And at least in terms of, of resumes, I mean, look, Tom Thibodeau has actually coached games in the NBA before and has had some success. Whether or not Steve Nash can have that success is not really going to depend on Steve Nash as much as it's going to depend on the health of uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert to a, a certain degree as well. All right, so uh, the, the Mets take down the Yankees yesterday. Only slightly more than the Yankees uh, took down themselves because that was a game. It's almost like at this point, the Yankees realize, what we all realize, that these games are, it's not really all that important, right? Like, we know the Yankees are going to the playoffs. We know the American League teams that are going to the playoffs. It's basically locked in. Basically. So it's just really about the ranking, you know, which team is going to be first, which team is going to be eighth. So it, it almost seemed like, and, you know, very frustrating to watch that game when you come out and you jump out to a 4 nothing lead and it looked like they could not be any less interested at times in that game. So just to focus on the Mets for a little bit, uh, the Mets at this point, I got to say, they're kind of done. I mean, they're only in the playoff race because everyone in the National League is in the playoff race. And yes, they only need one good week to really cement themselves as a real contender for one of the playoff spots this year. But again, they only got about three weeks to pick it up. So you got three weeks to pick from. You got to pick one of those three weeks. And I don't know, just the state of the team and the way things are going doesn't seem like they're going to have one of those good weeks. And I knew, I knew that Alonzo was going to, I didn't know it was going to be a home run, but I knew that Pete Alonzo was going to uh, win the game because uh, I've been pointing out, and this is the way the world operates. When I say things, the world tries to, to knock me down. And I've been pointing out how brutal Pete Alonzo has been. I mean, that fourth inning, he was the only guy Hap got out without much of an effort. And he has been, I mean, take a look at the numbers. They're there in black and white. The drop-off has been stark. Now, I know that this is a strange year 
Uh, and it, it, I've said in the past that you don't really judge anything solely based on this year. But with the, the, the offensive struggles, the defensive struggles, again, strange year. But I know, imagine, if you will, cast your mind clear for a second. Uh, if a Yankee went from the numbers that Alonzo put up last year to the numbers he's putting up this year, there would be an article. There would be, me- there would be talk show segments about it every single solitary day. And, you know, I listen to the shows. I get the recaps. I don't see anybody talking about it at all. But as for the Yankees, it was almost like the Yankees didn't care about the game. I mean, you see Jay Happ imploding in that inning, and it was like uh, almost like Aaron Boone forgot that he was back from the suspension. Oh, well, you know. And I know people will say, well, Gordon, they got a doubleheader today, and the games are largely meaningless. Well, then if the games are meaningless, if they're all meaningless, well, then the games today are meaningless. So I don't know. The game that you have the 4 nothing lead, I don't know. Maybe try and win that game. You know? Maybe the Yankees won't have 4 nothing leads today. Maybe they'll have 7 nothing leads and you can just kind of coast. The bottom line is the Yankees are playing, you'd have to say, the most prolonged bad baseball that they ever have under Aaron Boone. I know the start of that first season, what were they, 8-9 nine or 9-9? Nine and nine? They were pretty bad then. But at this point, the way they're playing, the way they're losing games, and I mean losing that game yesterday is just inexcusable. And it's one thing to say, and I I largely agree with it, well, you know, it's because they're not healthy. The problem with that is you can't just wait for guys to get healthy, mainly because they even when they do get healthy, judging by the Yankees' history, they don't stay healthy for very long. I mean, that has been the, the history of the team. So it's very, very frustrating to watch games like that. Uh, and uh, we'll see if they can. You, you'd like to think that they're going to start to pick it up at some point. And I thought it was going to be yesterday when they get that 4 nothing lead. You think, all right, let's, uh, let's you know, tack on a run here, tack on a run there, and uh, away you go. Yeah, it's only the Mets, but you take whatever wins you can at this point just to kind of get things pointed in the right direction. But be it uh, Tyler Wade's brain fart uh, in the 10th inning or or just various things here and there, not being able to tack on any runs after you have the strong 4-0 start. Jay Happ falling apart in that inning like he did. Very, very frustrating to watch. So uh, at least for Met fans on a day where they were honoring Tom Seaver, good for them. I don't think it's going to have any lasting impacts, but we shall see. We shall see. But as for the Yankees, they got to start to pick it up. Because, again, I don't remember... What is it now? 15 games that they've played like this? And they had that one stretch where they were off, so, I mean, maybe that was part of it as well. I I don't remember a team uh, under Aaron Boone here playing like this for this extended period of time. So uh, it's one thing to say, well, we just got to get guys healthy. It looks like Glaber's going to be back before too long. Uh, Again, uh, with the Yankees' history, it's not very long before guys start to, uh, you know, even when they come back, Aaron Judge, a perfect example. They come back, and then they're gone again. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. The poll question is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, about which team made the better hire. And then there was one other baseball thing that I wanted to point out, and it was about A-Rod. A-Rod apparently is very upset. Have you heard this? He is very upset that he feels like that the bidding process was uh, rigged with the Mets sale 
to Steve Cohen, right? Steve Cohen's entered into these exclusive negotiations, which were supposed to take uh, just a couple of days, and it's now been almost a week, right? It's it's almost been a week, right? Was Was it Friday last week or Saturday? I don't remember. All the days run together. Friday. It was Friday, right? Okay, thank you, Brian. Uh, A-Rod is not very upset, or excuse me, is very upset that he feels like the whole thing was rigged towards Steve Cohen. Again, maybe it was. Maybe they took what his number was and they fed it to Steve Cohen so he could put together, what, another uh, $50 million or whatever, whatever the difference was between the bids. The problem with that is, no matter what the number came, A-Rod could have come up with an even inflated number that he couldn't, his group could not afford, and Steve Cohen would still have been able to beat it. I mean, Steve Cohen's going to be the richest owner in all of baseball. I don't know how he ranks in terms of all sports, but he's going to be the, the, the richest guy in all of baseball. And the other problem with that is, a lot of that, I think, has to do with just A-Rod's reputation, right? Like, there's a, if let's say it was rigged. It was rigged against A-Rod. Well, why is that? Because I think A-Rod is kind of, you know, a walking reality show. And, and maybe the Major League Baseball owners didn't want to get it. This is a guy who sued the sport. I mean, the fact that he was even in the bidding process is a bit strange. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's get some phone calls in because we still have a lot to do. I'm putting off the Islander talk till the third segment. I, I have a rule. I never go um, Nets, Islanders, in back-to-back segments. It's just a little uh, analytical thing I do in my own brain, mainly because I don't want to poison the I, I throw the Yankees in there to get people interested. Jump them back up. Pump them up, people. Got to pump up somebody. The Yankees are not pumping up anybody right now. Let's go out to uh, John in Valley Stream. John, what's going on, my fine man? Hey, good morning, uh, Gordon. Happy anniversary, man. Uh, Thank you, my friend. Uh, I want to get your take on, on on something I've been thinking about. Because of this shortened season, you know, I mean, Tampa's kind of had our number. I don't want to use, use that term loosely. Last couple of years. And because of the shortened season and the Yankees going through this slump, do you think it's a little bit more intensified and magnified because it's a shortened season um, rather than 162 games. Do you think we'd be looking at this? The oh, same of course. If it was yeah, a no. Season? I mean, if it was 162 and they just had simply a you know a bad stretch of a couple of weeks, you would say, yeah, yeah, you know, it, uh, it's it you don't like it. It's not what you want in the old Joe Girardi line, but you could live with it uh, because you you know you'd have a whole bunch of games already in the past. They'd have built up a bigger lead, but if they had been playing this way, oh, I don't know what two weeks of, the, of this season is for uh, you know, a ratio based on uh, 162. I guess it what, would be tripled. So if the Yankees were playing this poorly for a month and a half, I think it would still, it's just, be, yeah, I, is it more elevated because it's two weeks in a 60-game season as opposed to two weeks in 162? Yes, but I think if you prorate it for whatever the full season is, I think you would still have that level of concern. All right, buddy. Thanks for taking my call, man. Happy anniversary. Right, Enjoy your weekend. Thank you, my friend. Yes, thank you, John. You too. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful weekend. Let's uh, go out to uh, Mike. Is in Staten Island. Mike, what's going on? Hey, hey, Gordon. How are you, man? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, not much. The Yankees definitely playing terrible baseball. I don't care if it's a short season or not. You don't want to see this, you know. And if, if they roll into the postseason like this, they're not going to stand a chance. If Cole keeps giving up home runs like that. Um, my concern is Judge, though. Do you think he, he's just going to be one of these guys that gets hurt every single season and that first season was the best we'll ever see from him? Well, I mean, what's the old line about the best predictor of future events is past experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, it does seem like, you know, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's had some freaky things kind of happen in past years, but, 
You know, the fact that this 20, he's a 28-year-old guy who's, uh, you know, superhuman strength, and it, it appears he can't walk from here to there without straining something, uh, it's not a great sign uh, moving forward. Now, the, the good thing is, in terms of, you know, uh, people talking about uh, his future, you got a couple of years before you really have to make up your mind on his future because you don't have to sign him to anything anytime soon. Uh, I think he still has two years beyond this year before you have to sign him to a long-term deal. But, uh, no, I mean, it's concerning that – you know, he came, he came back. He was saying he didn't even think he needed to be away. And then he comes back, and he, he's hurt uh, basically before the game is over. Yeah, it's not good. No one's playing well. I mean, you've got basically two of the same players right now sitting in judge with the past few seasons that judge has had. And, uh, you know, C. Torres go down. That was That's pretty bad. Like Girardi said, that's not what you want, you know? No. No, look, I mean, and Mike, thanks for the call. I mean, you got uh, D.J. LeMay, who's doing what D.J. LeMay, who does. Luke Voigt has been uh, sensational. And, you know, one of the things coming into this next this season was, was Gio Urshela a fluke last year? You know, he was a guy who had had some run in the majors and had never produced at that level. And sometimes you see that, right? Guys just kind of pop up out of nowhere. They have this magical year, and then they kind of regress. He's not really regret. I mean, I think you can tell right now that Gio is, uh, is, is, is a legitimate baseball player. Uh, now, there's not been a whole lot of, of positives beyond that. Yeah, let me just pull up uh, Geo's numbers. In Cleveland, slash line of 225, 273, 314. And now with the Yankees over you know parts of uh, two seasons, uh, he has a slash line of 304, 352, and 530. An OPS of uh, 881, and an OPS plus, which 100 is at league average players. He's at 133. So that's been an excellent find for the Yankees. So that's been great. Uh, but, uh, no, there's not a lot of other great things. And what's the old line? you got a long way to go and a short time to get there. they got to start to pick this up. And an OB catch and shoot. Oh! Oh! Down the bottom of the well for OG and an OB. Toronto wins it. OG splashes it home on the cross-court pass from Lowry. They're going to review it, and if it stands, Toronto is back in the series as OG splashes it down. Wow. I have seen it all. And as great as the shot was, the pass was even better. I mean, you don't get points for passing, but boy, oh boy, that was a sensational pass. Your moment of inspiration for this Friday morning. Talk about swinging a series, potentially. I mean, you're on the verge of going down 0-3, and I still think the Celtics win the series, but that is a uh, dagger for the Raptors to get back in that series. They're now only trailing two games to one, and it seemed like uh, the Celtics had chances to put that game away. I was not focused so much on that game last night, but uh, sensational shot there. And I don't know that the NBA playoffs have had that, that many great games, but boy, oh boy, they've gotten a ton of great endings. So there's one of them, and, and, and one of the best ones right there, as uh, the Raptors take down the Celtics last night. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Uh, I do have to mention, have you heard? Disney's new movie, Mulan. Experience the legend of Mulan as she fights to defend her family and the kingdom. Available to Disney Plus subscribers who unlock premier access. And as I mentioned yesterday, the amount of stats they have for this movie. Imagine trying to put a movie together. 4,000 weapons involved, hundreds of extras. I could barely manage lunch for the kids, putting the lunch together. You want this, this one wants that. 1,100 headwear items were made, 250 hats 
manufactured. Amazing. And more amazing than that, at this point, when you're looking for family time, I don't know if everybody does family time at the end of the day or whatnot, but for family time, we have been resigned to uh, America's Got Talent. Have you seen this show? I watch that with my kids. My kids are kind of into it. Uh, there should be a question mark at the end of America's Got Talent. And the, the answer, from what I have seen, I've not seen every episode, but I would say no. No, we do not. No, we do not. So there you go. Mulan, which is now uh, streaming on Disney Plus starting today. It's already up. It's running. Go watch it at 6 o'clock in the morning. Why not? But no, I think you probably watch it with your kids. Wait until they wake up. But Mulan is available on Disney+. Plus. All right. Uh, speaking of... Uh, should we do net picks and chill off of that, or should I do the hockey? Yeah. Yeah, let's picks do the chill. net picks and chill. Oh, look. The net picks and chill picks uh, remain the same. Now, I'm not... Uh, these are currently uh, shows that are airing right now. So you can catch up. The first... Both are on HBO. I mentioned them last week. One, Lovecraft Country. Kind of a... I guess a science fiction show. Kind of a monsters kind of show. A uh, comic book kind of show. Gordon, but, did, sorry uh, to interrupt you, but yeah. then you mentioned last week that it was, uh, I think Jordan Peele's part of it as well, like he produces or something. Oh, I have no idea. I, I think it's he possible. Does. I don't know. Which I have no idea make, who's the, pro- I don't know who the producer is. I don't know who's uh, in the show, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, which the, makes uh, me want to uh, watch it because it popped up Michael in Michael K. Mind. Williams is in the show, the guy who obviously played Omar, has done a thousand different things, uh, was Chalky White in uh, Boardwalk Empire, so he's in it. He just kind of came into it in the third or fourth episode. Really well done. Not really in my wheelhouse of shows that I would ordinarily watch, but I mean, it looks, and that's the thing about HBO shows. When they're done right, they look like movies in their TV shows. So that's really interesting. Also, a documentary series on HBO called The Vow, which is about the, uh, I don't know how you even say it, the Nixon cult, this cult that was operating like upstate New York. And I mentioned the first episode. I watched it, and I was like, you know what? This program doesn't seem uh, all that bad. This seems like it. Second, strangely, second episode, plot twist. Plot twist. Turns out it was not as, uh, as uh, you know, wholesome as it originally seemed. Because the first episode I watched, I said, you know what? Maybe I got to look for some information on this. I think that uh, my life could uh, afford to have some changes. Safe to say, good call by me being a procrastinator. So those are the uh, net picks and chill picks for this week, along with Mulan. I'll be watching that, I'm sure, at some point this weekend with uh, the kids. All right, uh, those are things you want to watch. Speaking of things you don't want to watch, speaking of brutal, the Islanders. Oh, my God, another. I mean, just brutal loss to the Flyers last night in overtime again, and after being trailing early 2-0, come back, had a lead of 3-2, had a lead of 4-3, go to overtime. You're thinking to yourself, all right, Flyers already won an overtime a couple of times. Eventually, the Islanders got to get a little, uh, a little lucky here, right, if nothing else, and uh, they did not get lucky. So now to be in the situation that they're in doesn't feel great. I have seen that teams up 3-1 in seven-game series in the NHL, they, they win those series, I think it's 91% of the time. I have not, or maybe 90% of the time. I have not seen any stat about teams up 3-1 who are forced to play a game seven. That I would be interested to see because it does not feel like... I know each game, I always point this out, each game is independent of the other one. You make adjustments, this and that. Uh, for all the hockey fans, who all, and I, I'm not a huge hockey fan. I'm an, uh, I am an Islander fan sometime. When they're winning, I'm, an, I, I'm a bandwagon Islander fan. I'm the first to admit it. I don't like to watch them lose. So I only like to watch them win. And how I go about operating is uh, different than other people. I get it. There's diehards out there that live and die with the team. I don't have the time. 
I can only focus on them when things are going well. I'm tough but fair. And usually hockey fans will always tell you. The two things they'll always tell you. Oh, you love Game 7. There's nothing like a Game 7. Game 7s are the best. And they'll also tell you, nothing like overtime hockey. It can end at any point. I would just simply ask, can it end at some point? You know, some of us got to get to bed. Two overtime. I got to get some sleep. Can we? I know it's great. uh, You know, the back and forth, the ebbs and flows. But at some point, some of us got to get some sleep here, you know? So we'll see. Uh, I think Game 7 is on Saturday. And the Flyers are only the second team to force a Game 7 with no regulation wins. And last night, I mean, the Islanders were out shooting them. What was the stat? Uh, 53-31. 53-31, and they're not able to uh, get the win. So now all of a sudden to Game 7, and we'll see uh, if the Islanders. Hopefully they'll, they'll turn back into my Islanders. That's what I'm hoping. But we'll see on Game 7. And uh, if they don't, then I don't have to, I don't have to mention them anymore. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Uh, Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on, my man? Good morning and happy anniversary to the, um, the Michael K. Trivia Champion. Thank you. you I've, been, I've been forgetting to mention it. You're right, Spike. I am Michael K. Show Trivia Champion, Gordon Damer, as well as, you know, I know, uh, Stump Rothenberg, living legend. Yeah, you took the words right out. Yes. Oh, my God. It's such a... Whitney, just she just lifts your heart when you hear her say. Go I'm ahead. Ready, I'm sorry. I'm ready to stand up. Here's I got, I got a minor beef with you. Minor okay. complaint. Yeah. Okay. This is only because so much respect for you. Thank just you. think back. I tell my kid this uh, all the time. We waited for five months for some sports to happen. You know, the world's turned upside down. No question about it. And we're and we're somewhat coming out of it. Hopefully, thank God we're coming out of it a little bit. Hopefully. And now you're complaining. Yes. Well, that's part of life being back to normal. <laughs> I know. I, get a kick. <laughs> I, I, really, I really do game seven. I said the same thing. I got to get some sleep. And I got to walk the dog. But anyway, it's, uh, the sports has been great. And you know what? One thing with the Yankees, uh, really don't worry about it because this may be a blessing in hindsight. You know where I'm going. Uh, who cares? Who cares? The setup for the Yankees is so favorable. And you're right about Rochella. He just knows how to just put the bat on the ball and go to right field. I wish some of the other guys could do that. It's just amazing to me that this may be the respite because of the short and spring training or the second startup or whatever you want to call it, and get every get the ducks in a row. It may work out well. I don't know, but that's the only thing I'm holding on to now. Yeah, I mean, look, there's more than enough time. And, Spike, thanks for the phone call. You know, the, the, the post headline that I kind of poked fun at yesterday that the Yankees were running out of time to prove that they're a, a title-worthy team. No, they're not. They, they don't have that. They have more than enough time to do that because we know they will be in the playoffs. The American League teams are locked in. It's almost as if there's only eight teams competing for I had the stat here earlier. I got all these tabs open. You ever have all these tabs open and then you don't know where the, what the tab is that you're looking for? But there's only eight teams that are really competing for the American League playoffs, and the Yankees are one of them. Now, would I like for them to be the number one seed? I guess. I'd like them to be play, not even the number one seed, just simply be playing well at some point. I mean, they've been going so long here. And as a Yankee fan, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not used to this playing poorly you know Met fans it's easier for them to deal with because they do it on such a regular basis all right I found the stats on um the uh, playoffs here you go here are the team's playoff odds this year now I get it they're not 
playoff odds are not foolproof. But here are the odds. The Rays have a 100% chance of being in the playoffs this year. 100%. The Indians, 99.3. A's, 99.9. Astros, 99.7. Yankees, 97.9. White Sox, 98.9. Twins, 96. And the Blue Jays, 85. So those are the eight teams. The next team that would be competing would be the Tigers, and their playoff odds are 17, 17%. That, doesn't, that seems like a long shot. So, no, I know the Yankees are going to be there, and it's about how you play when you get there. But just watching what you're watching, day in and day out, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't fill you with a whole lot of hope. Let's put it that way. On Twitter also is where the poll question is today. You can find that there. And it's all about the big news yesterday that the Brooklyn Nets have hired Steve Nash to be their new head coach. Steve Nash, no coaching experience, but of course, a, uh, I think, uh, is he soon to be Hall of Fame? He's not in the Hall of Fame yet, is he? I don't think so. But uh, certainly two-time MVP, a guy's name who is uh, recognizable to basketball fans everywhere. And the poll question is, which team made a better hire? Was it the Knicks with Tom Thibodeau, or was it the Nets with Steve Nash? And it's kind of hard to know. Because Steve Nash is a complete unknown. We have no idea. He's, he's never coached a game before in his life. So that is very much up in the air there. But I would simply say that um, I did not find it as shocking, I guess, as some, mainly because there never seemed to be a front runner. I think to, for it to be shocking, it doesn't just have to be someone that you've not heard of uh, in, in terms of that, uh, that opening. But it has to be also that someone else was was rumored to get the job or these are the front runners. And then out of nowhere, here comes Steve Nash. So I didn't think it was as shocking, I guess, as some, but mainly because, as, as Woj pointed out earlier in the show, see, you missed it. Uh, Nash is a guy that people in the NBA has have said that uh, he's a coach in waiting. So to me, this really all comes down to it's who Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted. That's it. That's all. When you make the move that the Nets made to bring those two guys in, those kind of superstars, you got to kind of have to turn your organization over to them. And this is the guy that they feel comfortable with. So the fact he has no coaching experience, no head coaching experience, I don't think it's that big a deal. Nets have a very short window of opportunity here with Kevin. They got basically, right, the next two years. And they got to get it done. So I want those guys fully bought in. I don't want to. It almost sounds like a knock on the organization. Oh, you turned it over to... No. Those are the guys who are going to determine your success or failure. And their health is also going to. That's not really necessarily in their hands. But we've seen plenty of of guys come in with no coaching experience and have success. We've seen guys come in and not have success. And that largely has to do to some degree about their coaching abilities, but also about the talent that they have. The other thing that we pointed out was the comments of Stephen A. saying that um, that this is a an example of white privilege. And with all due respect to Stephen A., who has more NBA knowledge in his little pinky than I do in my whole body, I think that has to be one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard. That to say that a black man never gets that opportunity, uh, I don't have, again, the NBA knowledge of Stephen A., but Jason Kidd is a black man who was hired by the Nets with no coaching experience. It's the exact same team. And just off the top of my tiny little pea brain, I can come up with Derek Fisher or Doc Rivers or Mark Jackson, Isaiah Thomas. This is an example of star privilege. That's very true. So you do have to kind of feel for 
the assistant coaches, the former players who are serving as assistants, like Sam Cassell, who's you know working his way up and paying his dues and, and, and trying to get his opportunity. But this is what happens when you're a star. It's star privilege for, for Steve Nash, and it's even more star privilege for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because they are running the show. So that's one thing. We talked about the Yankees and, and the Mets. Not so much about the Mets because at this point the Mets are, are, are kind of done, I think. Uh, the only reason why they're still in the playoff race is because, as I pointed out multiple times, everyone's in the playoff race in the National League with, I guess, the exception of the Pirates. They're the only one. If you're not the Pirates, you're good. And uh, I know that I knew yesterday that uh, Pete Alonso was going to uh, to do what he did. Not that he hit the home run, but that he was going to do something because I've been pointing out just how miserable of a year he has had, and the Yankees have been kind of miserable, so we'll see if they can pick things up over the weekend. Anytime you want, guys. Whatever you can kind of get around to it would be fantastic. Uh, there's one other thing that I wanted to point out. I was listening to uh, the great Max Kellerman yesterday. He is a verified Nick hater, but he is uh, he's great. He's the best. Uh, so he was talking about uh, Kirk Cousins. And I know I mentioned this yesterday. Just one final point. But he was talking about Cousins and that he was coming from a place of faith, not politics, when talking about COVID and all those. You, know, you remember this story. And Max said, you know, you have to be careful when talking about it so that we we stress the importance of staying safe. For who? For who do we have to stress this? Like, is there literally anyone out there anywhere who is still kind of on the fence? Ah, uh, you know what? This COVID thing, I'm not really sure to how to approach it. I think the, the window of opportunity to sway people is done. Everybody's made up their minds. So Kirk Cousins, he can talk about it however he wants as long as he, you know, deals with the, the ramifications of what he said, which I think he did. All right, we're already out of time. I apologize to the people who wanted to get in on the show. We are back on Monday, starting at 10 o'clock. A very special Gordon Damer show on Labor Day, so I hope you join me then. The podcast, it'll be up uh, momentarily, and I guess momentarily is like an hour. 60 moments until we uh, have the podcast up. Please vote on the poll question, and we'll see you on Monday, starting at 10. Gordon Damer, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.